Let's cast some pods. <laughs> the humor does get better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. doesn't. It Don't doesn't. lie to him. Uh, <laughs> uh, you are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 188, Side B. The Give Me Five podcast, a bi-weekly podcast reviewing the things you loved today and the things you loved yesterday. Uh, my name is Cactus McGraw, and I found the country movie, uh, country music name generator earlier today, and I am joined by Betty Lane. I am so glad I get to be Betty. I don't have words. <laughs> and Laverne West. Oh, I am totally <laughs> West. Yeah, we know, we know. Uh, this, this week we have an incredible guest on the show. Uh, he is the touring guitarist for both Live and Ed Kowalczyk, uh, and his name is Zach Loy, and he is incredible. I've oh, said that thanks. already, but it's Thank true. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. The So that just how I know him, it was after the Live concert in Tampa when they when Live and Bush toured. Hell yeah. And I got home from that, I and I don't live anywhere near Tampa. It's what, hour and a half away from my house? And I got home from that show, and I was like so amped from the show that I just was not sleeping. And I'm not a big Instagram person, but I was looking at pictures that other people had taken from the show, and I believe that you had put up a picture, like, saying thank you to Tampa and fans. Oh, cool. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, right on. And you're like, thank you, Tampa. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I I had rem- I had remembered, because you, you had a very memorable spot in that, um, in that concert, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. And I responded, and you wrote back right away. I was like, oh, so... Yeah, cool. Yeah, late nights, man. I mean, when you're on the bus, it's like it's like perfect time to like kind of you know chat and uh, and and connect with with people that are that reach out, you know. Because I mean, honestly, if if somebody wants to reach out and, and have a chat, you know, at two three in the morning when I'm on the bus, it's like, oh yeah, cool, great, you know. But the honest truth like, is, Zach, I'm, like from a fan point of view, which is what we are, that like means the world to us. That's huge. Yeah, no, really and, and I, and, you know, I, I, and I've realized that, and I believe that too. And, and the real reason why I do like to chat is because, because of that fact. And honestly, like, you know, the the true true fans of music are people that really just take music, and it's a huge part of their life on a daily basis. Is the reason why I'm able to have a career like I do, you know. And you know, I know that, and I realize that. So I'm one of the people that try to do whatever I can. I mean, having a chat is like the, you know, obviously it's just a very small thing that I can do to 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 uh, to just say thanks. You know? It's funny that you say that it's small because it's it's for the individual who's like reaching out and hoping for a response or whatever. It's it's massive, and especially for yeah. for like somebody like yourself and like the 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 bands that you. Are associated with they mean a lot to the people who are the fans so like just like for my own personal thing like i can't tell you how much we appreciate it like it's just huge it's massive well, well that's it, awesome really. I'm, I'm glad to hear that i uh I, I that means a lot hearing that you know because uh because that, that's kind of what you know i i hope i also do hope you know that that uh that it it uh 
you know, the appreciation that I have for, for, for music lovers, uh, does come across as well, you know, cause it, yeah, I mean, it, gosh, it, it is, it's a huge, it's a huge part of what we do, you know, and it, if people didn't, didn't love what, 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 you know, love the music that these artists create, then, you know, none of this would be a thing. It wouldn't be what it is. Agreed. You know, so. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so just, just to to introduce yourself to the the listeners out there, um, how like just what is your how did your music career go? Like how did it start? How, when did uh, you fall in love with music? All, you know all the usual questions. Yeah, I mean it's a long story. I'll, I'll try to keep it as, as brief as I can. But uh, you know, I started playing guitar when I was about eight years old. Um, I can tell you the strangest thing is uh, is I. I remember the day so vividly. So I woke up in the morning, I was laying in bed and I had, uh, the Jimi Hendrix version of a uh, wild thing was in my, was in yeah, my head. That's good. And, you know, and I don't know, I don't know where an eight year old would have heard that at the time. Maybe it was on a movie or whatever. I don't know, you know, cause it wasn't, my parents weren't jamming Jimi Hendrix at the time. My, my parents were music lovers and they always had records on, but, uh, Jimmy wasn't one of the ones they were playing, uh, at that point in my life. And, um, so, but like, it, it just struck me like, 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 I don't know, something so severe that, you know, like I said, now I still remember it, um, like it was yesterday. And so I, I got out of bed and I ran into my parents' bedroom and I was like, you guys have to buy me a guitar. You have to. And they were like, they're like, I was like totally freaking out and just like super amped up. And they're like, hold on, hold on, calm down, calm down. What are you talking about? And I'm like, you guys got to get me a guitar. And, um, so for the next, I think next Christmas, I got a guitar. I got my first real, like, uh, acoustic guitar. And, um, you know, by the time I was 12 years old, I was kind of already like jamming songs. So like, you know, and at the time, uh, records like, uh, you know, uh, well, Throwing Copper was coming oh, out, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, well, I was a huge fan of all the music coming out of that time. So I was kind of just like, like kind of tanking it all in and i was i was buying those records and learning everything off of those records and and uh, my brother's a musician as well so so him and i were both like super into it and doing that whole thing and we started a band together and that was my first band that i had with him and so we were we were together for about 10 years we were called dames violet and we released three records and had uh some decent decent regional success uh we were based in austin texas so so we had we had a couple singles on the radio, and uh, we got a pretty great manager at the time who was helping us, and I mean putting us on every single festival that came through Austin uh, or you know the, the area. So so I mean I you know I got to open up for like uh, well there was a festival that we played actually live was on it, and uh, and then there was another festival we played with Bush, and uh, so funny. it's kind of it's kind of funny how those things like all kind of kind of come around you know full circle but um you know uh and actually bush i have a funny story about them as well because because uh, i was when i was 17 i was working for a guitar uh, tech guy like uh, he was you know servicing amplifiers and stuff like that and so i came into the shop and i started taking apart this amplifier and uh he goes like you know whose amplifier that is and i'm like I'm like, nah, it was a Mesa boogie. I was like, I don't know yeah. who's this, who's amp is this? And he's like, oh, that's Gavin Rosdale's. Their Bush is playing at, at Frank Irwin Center tonight, and uh, they needed a 
uh, you know, at Gavin's main amp went down, so they, they brought us up. So we're going to charge him all these rust charges and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> he's like, and I don't want to, yeah, he's like, I don't want to deliver it down to the venue. So if you want to take it down there, you know, you, you can take it down there. And, and there's, here's a couple of backstage passes and all this stuff. And Moby was on uh, the tour at the time. So, Wait, so you're in your you know, late teens? Being 17, I'm 17 years old. Yeah. So I had moved out. Uh, 17 would have been like 1999. Oh, you're a youngin. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm 39 right now, or about to be okay. 39. Yeah. So, so yeah, it would have been yeah late yeah. 90s, and um, yeah. So, oh, excuse me, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. So so I ended up taking it down to to the uh, to the. Uh, We are very pro dog. We actually are. Awesome. That's not a problem. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I ended up taking it down there to the venue. We set it up on stage, and we, you know, we got to we got to play through it and everything. Like, and, you know, me being 17 at the time, um, I hadn't opened up for Bush at this point yet. You know, they were still like, it was still like, you know, this whole scene was still like. I mean, I was seeing. I was just like so blown away it's just like everything about the whole setup you know there was carpet on the stage and like it was just so immaculate and all the techs were so pro and and um you know so i went back to go get paid and, and uh in the office and gavin happened to be in the office at the time and said hello and i looked down the hallway and gwen stefani's down the hallway i think they had just started dating around that time you know so like i'm like oh my gosh dude this in my my whole world was exploding you know i'm like i'm just around all these rock stars and like all of a sudden and and so we went, I ended up taking my brother, who was the singer of my band to the, to the show, um, later that night. And, uh, and I was just like, oh dude, we're going to do this one day, man. We're going to open up for these guys. It's going to be awesome. And of course, a couple of years later, we ended up opening up for him. It was a really cool kind of like thing that, that kind of happened. And, and then of course, you know, 2019 torn with, with, uh, with, with Bush that whole year was, was a, was a lot of fun. It was cool. Were you like, Hey, I was that guy. <laughs> you know what i never i ended up never mentioning it to gavin I, I didn't mention i didn't bring it up i didn't bring that story up but he's a great guy man we had we had some dinners together and and spent a lot of time together but but uh uh cool cool really cool nice guy down to earth you know cool cool just normal That's guy. so cool to hear that because you never know yeah <clears throat> yeah you too, it's true era. there are i've met a lot of uh, musicians who aren't or aren't that way but uh, all those guys that, that are in that band are, are real, real cool. I'm afraid guys. to meet musicians or actors that I really love because you never know if you're going to get what your heart. Yeah. Assholes. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it happens and it's happened to me. You know, I've, I've met, you know, some of my heroes and they were just like totally brushed me off or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, okay, well, yeah, that kind of, kind of hurts, hurts a little bit just because, you know, your, your love for their music, you know, it, it does have an effect on it slightly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it really does. Like, but, I worked at a, yeah. uh, for a little while, I was at a radio station. I'm in South Florida. And um, so I met, like, Robert Duvall. I'm, I actually met Edward Kowalczyk. I think I'm saying that right. Um, he came yeah. and did a thing with us when, um, I think it was when the Dolphins Cry was new. No, it was after that. It was, oh, cool. it was around that time. And he just showed up one morning. I I showed up one day and I was like, this is Ed from live. And I was like, holy shit. Like I was already a huge fan. And it was like, yeah. it blew my mind. And he was just such a cool, unassuming dude. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. No- he really is. Yeah. Right. Am I wrong? Like yeah. I wouldn't have noticed. No. No. You're. You're totally yeah. right. He's just. He's just cool, a, cool like just this mellow guy. I was like, oh, like I was so yeah. shocked by it that because he who, he wasn't on our list from the day before. Like I didn't know he was coming in, and no, uh, and it was just the most. I didn't even know what to say. Like I feel like an asshole <laughs> because <laughs> like I wanted to yeah. be like, dude, no, no, he's he- like you're so aw- like this. This band is fantastic, and they've meant so much to me because like when when I was playing music, what, um, some of the stuff that we used to warm up to was like Brothers Unaware or um, oh, like cool. Pain Lies by the Riverside. Like that's the stuff we would play. Yeah. To like get ourselves jacked up to like play gigs or whatever or to rehearse, and so it like means a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal to me. Yeah, yeah. No, and and you are right, man. He's he's he is totally legitimately that guy. I've I've got to tour all around the world with him. You know, multiple times. I think we've been around the world together probably at least five or six times at this point. And and um, yeah, I mean, not only the hours that we spent on stage, man. We've spent a lot of a lot of time. traveling together and uh yeah he is dude he's he's an awesome guy man. so how I'm, did you I'm, get hooked up with live and and ed and all those so uh I, so we kind of jumped ahead but the conversation kind of took us that way yeah no that's cool uh yeah so um so so ed recorded his first solo record in austin texas um and uh the guys that worked on the record and produced the record uh all were all friends of mine so you know, uh, you know. Of course, I heard about it. I was like, "Oh wow, that's so cool! You guys are working with him. What's going on at live? What's happening with live?" And they're like, "Oh, live broke up. You know, they got in a big fight and a lawsuit and all this." So, uh, so C.J. Erickson, the guy that produced that first record, his first solo record, um, uh, he he had, he had worked on some uh, live records as an engineer, and uh, he's from L.A. But he was he moved to Austin. He lived in Austin for a while. He lives back in L.A. now, but. Uh, during these years, he was in Austin, and um, he he had told Ed, he's like, man, you know, like, you know, you're going through all this. Why don't you just come down to Austin and make a record? Let's make a record together. It's perfect timing. You know, you have a lot to say. You know, everything. So, so Ed was like, yeah, screw it, man. Let's go do it. So he he um he came down to Austin, and CJ had hired some friends uh, uh, that he of a band that he had produced uh, from Austin as well. So good friends of mine. And they're the ones that ended up playing on that first record. So the guitar player, um, James Gabby, who played on that first record, ended up uh, deciding not to, like, he. I guess he was kind of done with touring after another year or so. You know, he, he, I think he moved to Connecticut or somewhere. Anyway, so the, it came around to where it's like, okay, well, we need a guitar player. And, uh, you know, uh, they... Uh, my name came up through the through all of them, and of course, and so we did a rehearsal, and and you know it was it was a it was a great great it it worked out great it was a perfect flow everybody felt great together really cool chemistry and everything, so um so that was it really that you know and then I started touring with Ed and and uh, we started writing songs together and doing all that and then uh, and then of course you know around 2016. Um, you know, I had kind of started hearing that, you know, the guys had started talking again and all that. And, uh, but I hadn't heard anything from Ed yet. So I was like, going like, okay, I wonder what this means. I wonder if this is like, you know, if he's going to stop doing the solo thing or, if, you know, like what the deal is. 
And so the manager, uh, Chris Harden, who manages live and, and Ed Kowalczyk as well, a really great guy. He, he reached out to me and said, Oh, you know, yeah. So live is talking about getting back together again. And, and uh, I just want you to know that, you know, Ed Kowalczyk is the solo thing is still going to be intact. We're still going to do that. And, you know, whatever. I was like, okay, cool. So, so then about a month goes by and Ed calls me and, uh, and he's like, Hey, so, uh, so we're putting the band back together. And, um, you know, I was like, I would really like it if you would come over and do this with me as well. You know, if you're into it, um, of course, you know, you're kind of going to be, you know, you're going to be second tier, of course, obviously Chad Tan. It's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and, and I was like, I was like, but he's like, if you're interested in doing it, you know, I think, I think everybody uh, is cool with having you and I'd really like to have you there. So, uh, I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, That's, my mind is blown just from thinking, you know, just earlier you mentioned that you had the ring copper and you were listening to it. And that was, oh, yeah, yeah. well, cool see, so, so we did, so we did, you know, we did the 20th anniversary, uh, uh, so when Ed was still solo, we did the 20th, 20th anniversary tour of throwing copper, you know, and so we, we did those shows, full band, a bunch of locations, but then, I mean, we took the, uh, just the duo, us two, uh, we took that whole tour all around the world. We went to South Africa with it. And I mean, all kinds of places. And, uh, and we ended up touring with that, that, that we had such a good reception on that 20th anniversary tour that it ended up lasting almost two years that, that tour. Wow. Uh, so we, we played that record for almost two years straight. Wow. Uh, front to back. And it, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it obviously, you know, just, there was so much, uh, so much history that, that I had with it just from growing up and, and listening to it and already learning. I already knew all the songs, of course, you know, so it wasn't like I had to go back and study and learn them or anything. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that whole experience was really, really cool. And then, um, you know, obviously the first time, the first, so I'd been playing with Ed for, uh, I started playing with Ed in 2013. So I've been playing with him for, you know, only four years at this point. And, uh, but the, the first time I went into, up to York and we had a rehearsal with the, with the, the live guys, it was just like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, man, this, this sounds, this sounds exactly like it's supposed to sound, you know, it's really, it was really cool, uh, uh, you know, playing with those guys for the first time. Cause it's like, man, it, it just feels so much, so, so natural, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I told that to Ed and I was like, yeah, isn't it crazy, man? It's just like, I mean, that's cause that's how bands used to make records. It was like, this is what the band sounds like. And, you know, you just record it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to doctor it up like we do so much nowadays. This is a question that I I yeah, but, won't ever know the answer to. So I I feel like you probably answered this a million times. But what is it like just being on stage and looking out at thousands of people? Man, I mean, there's nothing else like it in the world. Uh, I I mean I. You know, I've jumped out of an airplane a couple times. I mean, I've, you know, I, I've traveled all over the world multiple times. And those are all fascinating and wonderful aspects of life. You know, I mean, I have, I have, I only have one son. I have, I have a son, which, which I had, uh, he's, he's just about to be six months, six months old. And, you know, that's Congratulations. an experience. Oh, thank you so much. That's an experience in its own, of course, too. Just, mm -hmm. just a, a fascinating thing. But um, my, my son is eight and he still has not walked into my room and asked for a guitar and said that he heard Jimi Hendrix. Oh, right. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. any day yeah. now. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're clearly parenting wrong, Greg. My daughters are 11 and 14, and they roll their eyes when I play, like, Hendrix or whatever. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> They're just like... Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go oh, on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right 
Yeah, but man, I mean, it's it's a it's kind of an unreal, unique, unique experience, man. I mean, it's just like, um, gosh, the the amount of I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's like I, I kind of compare it to like when I was a kid and I played shows. Like I could you could go out and play a show, even if there was like ten people there, you could live off of that energy for weeks. You know, it'd be like, oh my gosh, the show, you know, it's just like crazy awesome. And then when you get to this other point where you know, your fans, you know, crowds get a little bit bigger. You're like, wow, this is like really something. And then, I mean, you know, when you walk out on stage and there's a hundred thousand people out there, they're just engaged at the four or five guys on stage. I mean, it's, it's freaking unbelievable, man. I mean, there's so much, you can consume so much and give so much. And that's why a lot of times those shows are so powerful, man, because the audience is giving the artist so much during the during that hour two hours and that is one of the things that generates so much energy from the artist and why the artist is able to give so much back and be so powerful and be so like because i mean you see these personalities on stage sometimes and you're just like man they're they're unreal you know it's like it it they almost seem un like unearthly you know so it's like mm-hmm. what i went and saw david bowie one wow. time Whoa. and dude he walked down on stage and it was just like I had never, I'd never been blown over so hard by any personality, you know, before like like that. It was just like, and that, you know, honestly, he's just he just knows how to take all that energy from like, you felt like he was staring at you, you know what I mean? And there's like forty thousand people in the audience. It's pretty wild. That's really interesting that you say that because if you read like a biography of like, like the Doors or Zeppelin or whoever, like Greg mm-hmm. and I read a lot of those like rock. Oh, I do too. I, I'm okay. a huge fan. So of you, those so it's funny yeah. that you say that because even like it doesn't matter who it is; they all say what you just said. Like you're getting yeah. so much energy from the crowd, and then the show's over, and then you've got to leave. <laughs> you've got to put it somewhere. Yeah. Like it's got to go somewhere. Like you've yeah. gotten so much from them that like it's got to be manifested in something else, and it mm-hmm. just turns out in however it might turn out if you're keith moon it turns out in a very negative way if you're yeah. uh you know whomever it turns out in a very positive way that's that's yeah, really yeah, exactly. that's amazing that you just said that because i've thought of every rock biography that i've ever read and you said exactly yeah. the same thing that's a, that's that yeah. blows my mind yeah, the, uh, when i when i worked in the radio station as well i had the very same situation with scott wyland um Stone, it was Zeta. I don't know. That's if, what I work for probably, too, Zeta. Yeah. So like, I was. They had me at one of those big radio shows, and I was guarding his trailer, and he was not doing well. Oh yeah. Um, which is sad. But he popped his head out of the trailer and asked for some bottles of water, and I gave him the bottles of water, and I was like, "Is he going to be able to go on?" Yeah. And then they called him time, and he flipped the switch. Yeah. And was doing, I think it was Rubber Man or whatever, and just running all over the stage with like a cape and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's amazing, right? Like, how the fuck did he do yeah. that? Yeah. So, so I've got a, a question about one of, something that I saw at your guys' show. Yeah. Uh, so when what came first, you knowing how to play the mandolin, or <laughs> deciding to play lose losing my religion? Uh, me playing the mandolin. So okay. I, I can I can tell that that story. Uh, the, so I, I became kind of a, a you know, a, a utility musician, which is what we refer to as like somebody who kind of plays more than just their main instrument. You know, they kind of verse in a bunch of little little things. And how that came about was was because I got 
I got called. Uh, I got called for a studio gig actually, and um, so so the studio uh, it was a, it was a friend of mine, an artist. It was like, oh yeah, I need this. I need some mandolin on this song. It's like, do you play? Do you play mandolin by any chance? And I'm just like, yeah, I play mandolin, sure. You know, I, I never picked up a mandolin in my life at this point. But, you know, I was like, I'm, 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 I'm a kind of a confident person, as you can tell by that. So it's like, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. I, I can play mandolin. So so I, was, I call a friend of mine who I knew had a mandolin. I was like, man, can I borrow your mandolin? Like at the session, I'm supposed to play mandolin on or whatever. And it's like, yeah, cool, come down. So I, I went and picked it up and, you know, kind of started learning a few chords and stuff like that. Now, there are some mandolin pl- mandolin players that are amazing you know that can just run circles all over the all over the instrument and you know are like i mean are speed demons on the thing you know i'm not one of those players on the man i can play chords and kind of play some cool melodies and things like that you know that's kind of as 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 far as i go with the instrument but but yeah that's how i learned that and then same thing happened with lap steel and you know kind of all the other little little things that i picked up and then becoming a producer it's like as a producer you're kind of a kind of expected to to know a little bit of everything you know so uh uh when i make when i make demos i'm writing songs for for people i uh i uh, i usually play everything i use drum samples of course but besides the drum samples i'll play everything else on it um, well no one wants to deal with the drummer okay i get it <laughs> Terrible right, that's people. fine that's fair yeah. <laughs> now i use drum samples that are from my drummer friends that they've given me themselves to use so so it's like i actually use real drums you know from my real drummer friends that from old sessions that I already paid them for. So, <laughs> yeah. So at least they're still real. And I'm not like pulling stuff off of a. That's know, fair. Little, yeah. If I live to be a thousand, uh, I mean, going to give me a hard time. That's fair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny for me, like, uh, as for, for, for bands, for me, it's like if you have a great lead singer and you have a, a freaking slamming drummer, I mean, you can do no wrong. Everything else in the middle, like the guitars and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it can kind of be whatever, you know. But if you, got, if you have a great drummer and a freaking amazing singer, I mean, you really do have a chance. That's fair. Listen, if you're ever in South Florida, hit us up. Or in Central Florida. Yeah. Because there's... Like down here where I am, like these guys are in Greg and and and, and uh, Rob are in Orlando, but I'm in South Florida. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good music down here. There's like a lot of it's it's weird. There's not like a scene here, like like Austin yeah. or whatever or LA right. or New York or whatever. Nashville, Nashville. Uh, yeah. Nashville's yeah. the shit, right? But there's a lot of good stuff here. There's like a lot of really really solid musicians. Um, awesome. and they're like out and doing their thing every day, you know, like let us know and we can, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll definitely yeah. get you guys up next time I'm through there. So, uh, does anyone have any uh, other questions? Cause I, I was going to shift into quick questions. I don't want to, I don't want to keep him no, forever. Quick questions. So I always do. We always do these fun little quick questions. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, the last musician that was on, uh, on the show was, uh, Timmy Capello, the the sexy saxophone player from uh, the beginning of Lost Boys. <laughs> oh wow! How but, amazing! Al- but also he uh, he wrote the sax parts for like Private Dancer and stuff for yeah. Tina um, Tina Turner. So I don't know if you ever if you know him, but yeah, no, I don't know him personally. But, but great I, dude. Obviously, I know his work for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, super that's fun cool. to talk to too. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. So, 
the quick silly questions. Uh, first of all, your uh, favorite post-show snack. Oh, uh, shoot. Favorite post-show snack. I usually go with like a, a tofu dish. Let's go with okay. that. So you're okay. healthy. That's yes, I am a healthy person. All right. <laughs> I got to I gotta get on that. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, can I ask this next one? Oh, yeah, sure. Zach, what is your favorite yeah. album? Ooh, shoot. That's really Yeah, hard. I know. <laughs> I'm going to go with Sticky Fingers, <laughs> but whatever. That's a good one. Whatever you're into. Yeah, yeah man, that is so hard. Favorite yeah. album of all time? Okay, top three. Uh, I think it's been harder. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, man. Um,. How about uh, let's go with? Uh, gosh, damn, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It sucks. I know. I, I know. We we won't hold you to it if you change your mind afterwards. Yeah, no. I think maybe maybe I'll go with uh, with. So I have, there's a couple of albums in my life that impacted me pretty okay. hard. Uh, I'll just I'll I'll just let's just go with uh, four by Led Zeppelin. Of course. Is that? That was a pretty big. That was a pretty big That's impact. Fair. When I was fourteen, I put that record on and it just blew my mind. Yeah. So wow. we'll, we'll go both. with that one. But it, I mean, yep. yeah, it's a great record. When the levee you breaks, know, I don't know if it's yeah, definitely my course. favorite. You know, yeah. to heaven. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, what what albums or bands are you listening to now? Was there actually like any Austin bands? Because I am, I'm not a big country fan necessarily, but I'm a big fan of country tinged rock. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, no, there's some cool bands from Austin. Um, you know, uh, really, really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff coming out of Austin right now. I think the last record that I bought um, by a uh, by an Austin band was a, a band called the Black Angels. Hmm, okay. That was the last, I think that's the last record that I bought from a band gotcha. uh, out of Austin. But yeah, they're no. really cool. If you guys haven't heard them, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty cool. They got some cool vibe okay. stuff going on. I wrote it down. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last album as... that I, the last album I actually got that was like, not a lot of people have heard of them was actually the Black Pumas and then they blew up. So oh I yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm, I think they're from out there, aren't they? Uh, they are from 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 somewhere close to they they just played actually. I thought they, they were from Austin Atlanta. At Stubbs last week. Are they from Atlanta? I don't know where they're from. I thought they're from Austin. Well, it's it's a guitar. It's like the lead singer and then a producer that plays guitar or something. Uh, I don't know. Either way, that I, I either they were from Austin or they played a show in Austin that I got the album from. They might so. be from Austin. Oh, I, cool. I, I I might be wrong. The last thing, Zach. The last thing that we um, covered last. Last week on our show was um, the new Black Keys record, which was like a blues covers album. Oh, right on. Um, Delta yeah. Delta Cream. If you haven't heard it yet, it's, oh, it's right pretty goddamn good. It's no, good. I it's haven't. Good. It's it's really cool. It's a good record. Cool. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll check that out too. As far as other stuff that I'm listening to, man, I mean, I kind of go all over the place, honestly. Like. I've been listening to some weird French pop records from the 60s. Um, That's probably fun. That's really uh, cool. 
Yeah, just but it's just so so off the wall. I'm listening to a ton of Beach Boys right now because my son loves the Beach Boys. It's one of you know if he's like it's one of the things like if he gets upset, I can just put pet sounds on and he'll just freaking just like just That's go so into cool. like total zone. If you don't mode. mind, like how yeah. old is you don't have to say, but like how old is your son? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, he just he's about to be six months. Oh old. my god, that's great! Congratulations. Yeah, so he's man, yeah, that's thanks. so cool. Yeah, so he's really, uh, yeah. that's great. That's yeah. such a great time. For, yeah, you man, have another year, year and a half very... of like awesome times. <laughs> and yeah, then, and then they start to get ideas. <laughs> oh wow! Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, it's all it's all such a great crazy journey. It really man. is. So like, I'm just trying to trying to you know kind of. Just let it take me where it goes, you know. So, now I'm going to torture you guys. So, so Rob is is being quiet at the moment because he is while he enjoys music, he is not the the crazy music people like Omar and myself. Right on. Correct. Yes. I'm the movie guy. Yeah, he's, uh, he's yeah. the movie guy. Sweet. Um. So, I'm going to put you and Omar against each other. All oh, right. Shit. And the quiz is going to be: I'm going to mention a band and a song. And you were going to tell me what musician guested on that song. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. That's so, for example, <laughs> it's really hard. Some of them are easy. Okay. Some of them are hard. So, like, just, just, as, just shit, to let you know how it's going to work. So, for example, if I said Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike. I would say Eddie Vedder. You would say. Okay. There you go. Fair enough. Okay. We've already talked about him. Who played guitar on David Bowie's China Girl? Oh yeah, uh, I know that. See Ray Vaughn. Excellent. He did China Girl too, because he also yeah. did um, uh, Let's Dance. Yeah, I yep. think he played on on a he, bunch of tracks on that. Record. Here's, do you know yeah. the story behind that? I, I don't. I've started a thing, Rob. <laughs> this I might know so, the story. Um, David Bowie went to um, the Montreux Jazz Festival in Switzerland, and like this is like 1982 or 83, and he went to go play there, right? I think he played he there, but he was in the audience at one point. And a new band okay. from Austin, you may have heard of, called Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. They were yeah. playing. And they were actually getting booed. Literally getting booed by the crowd. And But David oh. Bowie was like, that guy. Oh, David, David Bowie, Bowie was... In the crowd. Oh, he was on yes. in the crowd. Oh, I get So this is like yeah, early yeah. '80s, and he and he and as soon yeah. as he saw Stevie Ray Vaughan, he was like, "That dude can play." So that's how Stevie Ray Vaughan ended up on all those David Bowie records. But yeah. I didn't know he played so cool. on. I I knew about Let's Dance, but I mm-hmm. didn't know about all the other stuff that he played on. That's new to me. Yeah. I have a I have a little connection with the with the Vaughn brothers. They're, so the manager that oh I mentioned God. that managed my brother and I's first right band. Now. Are you serious? So he, so the manager that managed us our my band back then, and and uh, he also managed um, the uh, Jimmy oh Vaughn and the Thunderbirds. Yeah, oh, so he was you know, so he was in that whole scene and obviously helped Stevie through a lot of his career. And then when when uh, when they made that Family Ties record, he was you know, yeah. very involved in that, of course. Look at that. So, oh, my God. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. You're blowing cool, my man. mind right now. That's amazing. <laughs> we, we have, we okay. have more of these. Um, all right. I know okay. you're going to know the I'm history behind them, so I'm just letting you know. Uh, Michael Jackson beat it. Oh, he played on, guitar. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Van Halen, of course. 
I'm, I'm yes. giving that to Zach. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you know, that's fair. Because he's that's not fair. a drummer. Screw you, Omar. You want it to be uh, a little bit harder? That. That's fine. Yeah, I could take a little harder. Let's okay. see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bust a move, Young NC. Who guessed it on that? Uh, Flea from the Chili Peppers. Oh, damn. That's, that's the baseline. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Man, I can't. Awesome. I can't even not Flea give that point to Omar. Killed it on that record, man. He killed it. <laughs> yes, he yeah. Oh, and and in late '90s, I saw Jane's Addiction. Uh, up, 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 up. Oh, okay, go ahead. We're, we're, oh, we're sorry, continuing, buddy. sir. No tangents, sorry. Omar. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he ha- he has a young baby. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. Uh, the Shangri La's leader of the pack. Who was the guest 14-year-old musician at the time? Zach, go ahead. Jeez. I will give you one hint. I know it's hard. Like yeah. really hard. Yeah. Oh, you do? <laughs> oh no I'm, I'm being really, I'm being really cocky know. about it, but I might be wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go Jimi Hendrix. No. Shit. You, I award you no God points did. and may God yeah, have mercy on your soul. That is, uh, he is a piano player. One would say he is Elton a piano John. man. Oh, Elton John. Oh, Piano Man is, uh, is uh, J- uh, oh, uh, Billy Joel. Uh, Billy Joel. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Green Jelly, Three Little Pigs. Who was the uh, guest vocal on the, it said not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. That was, um. Kool-Aid Man. Um, oh my God, what's his name from, um, Blind Melon? God nope. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> He is, a, he is known for his voice, also known for being one of the biggest rock stars, well, biggest rock acts in the world, and they disappeared for like seven years with no album. Axl Rose? And then just came out with one. Nope. No one. That is Main and James Keenan. Oh my god, was that really him on Green Jelly? Really? Yep. Wow, that's wow. crazy. Okay. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. That's so wild. The, the reason, okay, so the reason why I actually came up with this quiz, I was reading a book. Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, the at the beginning. Yeah. Who was that? I had that and I had Thriller at the same time. So who oh, did that opening? Oh, oh, that's uh, Carrie yep. King from Slayer. Yeah. Wow. I, had, I thought no, 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 no one was getting Slayer, <laughs> Carrie King played, um, he played that and he played the solo on that on that song. He played a couple of things on yep. that. And he, he did the solo on uh, No... Uh, yeah, he, party. exactly. He did a. I was just gonna say he did okay. a couple of solos on that record. Carrie King from Slayer. So some of these next ones are easy. Uh, who did the drums on "No One Knows" by Queens of the Stone Age? Oh, well, that's that's uh, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Zach, you can have that one. Yeah. <laughs> My man. Uh, let's see. So the guitarist for on Tina Turner's "Private Dancer." I didn't know this one either, actually. Oh shit. He's one of the other classic guitarists that everyone seems to know his name, but no one really knows. Is it Mark Knopfler? Dude, I just I, watched her documentary too, honestly. Is it Mark Knopfler? No. But it's not like it's not Eddie Van Halen either. No, it's it's like probably more Eric Clapton era. Oh, uh, not uh, Jeff Beck. Oh yeah, shit! Beck. Oh, Nicely nice. done, yeah. Jeff Beck. That guy, that guy can play. God damn! Oh man, he's <laughs> I'm a huge he's fan awesome. Of Unreal. I have a picture, okay. Zach. I'll sh- uh, if I can find it. I have a picture of Jeff Beck and uh, Rod Stewart 
that like is not it's it like a, a buddy of mine has it i don't know how he got it uh greg knows him uh the other greg sent me that picture and uh, it's it's a fantastic picture of the two of them like early early 70s it's a really really cool oh, picture awesome. of, of of rod stewart and jeff beck like while the faces were still a thing you know what i mean yeah yeah oh man that's cool you know ian mcclagan who was in the faces he lived in austin for the last have you read his life. book it was Oh my god, it's so good. It's one one of the best books I've ever read in my life. It's called, um, Greg, I lent it to you for a while. Yes, I gave it back to you. It's called, um, (laughs) oh, Zach, I have to remember the name of the book. And I have to, I'll, if I can find it, I will literally send it to you. It is one of the greatest. It's it's actually out of print. It is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Oh man. I gotta find it. It is fantastic. Ian McClagan, because after the faces, he plays with like, Bruce Springsteen and and like Bob Dylan oh, yeah. and like all these amazing people. Yeah, he had a oh, fantastic. God, so good. Yeah. He had a cool little band in Austin, and they used to play. So they played at this little bar every Thursday night at seven o'clock, dude. It would it would be, it would sell out, of, of course, course, every 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 Thursday. But it was a tiny little place, and maybe hold three hundred people at the most. But um, man, it You're was awesome because right uh, oh my god, my band used to play down there all the time. So we would like. We would play after the him, club? you know, for the late show. Or the bar? It was called, uh, uh, I think it closed down now, but it was called Lucky Lounge. Oh, my God. Um, Greg and yeah, Rob, but, uh, when are we going to go man, to Austin? It was so cool. It was <laughs> so go. funny, man, because he was playing those every Thursday, and then the Rolling Stones came into town, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm opening up for the Rolling Stones. You know, well, he like, used to play with the Rolling it's Stones. Like, so oh, I know, yeah. He's so, he's, I mean, obviously, he's God, really good buddies with all so them, cool. So. Okay, this is the last question. Uh, currently, Zach is kicking Omar's butt. <laughs> I, used to I don't know. I, I, I was highlighting these as I did this. And this I think is I like whose line is it anyway where the points are completely made up. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last song is Evolution, Revolution, Love by Tricky, who is the lead, the guest oh, vocals. I know this one. <laughs> I don't know this one. Ed Kowalczyk. There you go. Uh, <laughs> that was worth 4,000 points. I don't understand who that is. Is that like a made-up guy? <laughs> <laughs> Ed has a lot of cool stories about that that session and that you know because his tricky also brought him out on a few of the uh, shows like when he was on tour and, and you know and the studio scene studio scene in like the in, in in the kind of the rap world is so different than the rock and roll world you know it's it's way more like uptight and laid back all at the same times so, like you know the, there's a lot more there's a lot more cannabis and a lot more uh, artillery at, at, at rap sessions ah, where it yeah, makes like, sense. Yeah. So it's just kind of a crazy scene to, 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 to go into. Well, Zach, quick, quick question. What do you mm. have coming up? Anything uh, you want to talk about? I mean, you know, as far as like personal stuff, you know, I'm, 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 I'm producing a bunch of music. I'm writing a ton of stuff and, uh, you know, working on an animated series that, uh, that, uh, is a, uh, goes along with an instrumental ro- record that I wrote. And so, That'll be out at some point. There's no dates or anything like that, but you know, I'm 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 working on it. I'm. Uh, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of something that I've always wanted to do, and and obviously, COVID has kind of like provided a lot of this time for for us artists that you know we normally are so busy with. You know, it opened up a lot of uh, a lot of time for us to to kind of do with some of the things that we haven't been able to to do, or you know, things we've wanted to do for years that just kind of kept getting pushed to the back burner. So. Right. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm kind of taking care of a lot of that, kind of knock trying to knock out the list and stuff. So very cool. 
Those That's the tracks cool. that you put up on uh, Instagram are great. Those like the bluesy sound ones. Oh, cool! Are... Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me just jamming in the, in the studio, you know, trying to trying to release some energy because as art as performing artists, you know, the, one thing that I realized over the last year and a half of not performing like I'm used to, you know, because I mean I started performing live when I was about. 12 years old and uh i think i probably played a show on a weekly basis from that point on at least one show a week all, all the way until you know my my uh, my 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 time on earth now so you know it i realized that it's it's a it, it is such a great way or it has been a great release of energy and whatever you whatever sort of built up um you know negativity or positivity or or, you know, whatever it might be, it's, you know, going and playing shows is one way for you to just, like, basically release all that, you know, uh, and, and uh, so that's kind of one, one of those reasons I was like, oh, man, I'm going to just, I'm just going to start jamming and just, like, just put these videos out. That way I have a, at least some sort of outlet to, to get some of this, some of this energy out, you know, so. so what, what is the dog, what is the dog's name, by the way? We- uh, Skittle. Skittle. That makes sense because I hear the little like Skittle, the little nails on the floor thing. I kind of like. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's how she got her name. She's just so like all you know. Yeah. So Zach, let me ask you one more question. You and Skittle get to pick, okay? (laughs) All right. If you could pick like a concert with the three best bands or whatever you like, what would it be? Like opening, middle band, and any bands in history. Any bands in history. Everyone's alive. Hendrix, okay. The Doors, everyone's alive. Whatever you want. Oh, okay, man. Well, shoot. All uh, the way back to the to Muddy Waters. Whatever you want. Yeah, wow. What's your That's... ultimate concert? Three. You get three. Three concerts. I'd probably say, I mean, Led Zeppelin. Is that the headline or is that the opener? Uh, That's a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would I want to cl- how would I want to start this night out and how would I want- I probably want to start it out with the doors let's start start the show out with the doors oh you just you broke my heart just now yes thank you um and Omar then, was the doors guy in high school yeah I was yeah oh dude I I went through a major major doors phase. oh my um, god hey Rob uh, do you want to go get some wings or something they're gonna be <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're hey, gonna Rob, talk for a while I'll see you in six hours buddy <laughs> yeah. oh my god. Uh, so I probably just because they're you know a little bit more you know like and as far as the rock music goes they're a little bit more on the mellow end of things you know so like I say we start out with them it's a great opening band agree oh yeah man agree so so killer Uh, then I'd probably say um, I'd probably say you know I really would have loved to see Guns N' Roses in their heyday oh my god yes I I can I can chime in here it was in eighty seven yeah. I saw Guns N' Roses New Year's Eve uh, when November Rain was the number one song on the planet. Oh, yeah. From, I had third row well, seats that's in Joe Robbie. Use Your Illusion. Yeah. Yep. It was so uh, like, uh, Joe Robbie Stadium, third row. Joe Robbie. Wow. Well, so, you know who I saw Joe Robbie Stadium? Original. I saw Pink Floyd. Oh, nice. Uh, see, what I would want to see, I would want to see Guns N' Roses in the all original lineup with Izzy oh. and. Yes. You know, wow. Because Thank Izzy. You. I love Izzy. You the know, Paradise he was, City he was, years. Yeah, he yes. was such a great. He's such a great. I mean, there's so many people talking about him nowadays. It's funny. He's like kind of like starting to see his like light of day because, because and the people are making these like phasing out the old recordings so you can only hear the rhythm tracks and stuff like that. You know, and so it, it's in his rhythm playing on those on those Izzy's first amazing. Few records, just unreal. And Steven yeah. Adler on drums. He was. Amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Steven so I, think it, I think Izzy was like 
the most sober out of all of them. So yeah, he yeah. was able to think hold about everything. it this way: Stephen Adler got kicked out because <laughs> he was too drunk. Like, yeah. how the hell do yeah. you get kicked out of Guns N' Roses for being too drunk? Like, that's, yeah, I know. That's a lot. Yeah. So we got the we got wow. the Doors, Guns N' Roses, and then Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So not your bad, headliner Zeppelin. Yeah, I'd say I'd want to close with Zeppelin. Yeah, that's nice. fair. Yeah. I got to what? see, I saw Page and Plant, you know, back in yes, the, the mid-90s or whenever. The, yeah, cool. Yeah, that was that a was cool such show. a great, great, great show. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I loved it. That was it. so and great. Then, like 93, 94? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then such I saw I saw uh, Robert Plant. He, uh, he played at this tiny little venue. So we played, oh, I think it was in St. Louis. Yeah, so St. Louis. So speaking of Guns N' Roses, Richard Fortas, you know, who... Richard Fortas, who plays in Guns N' Roses now, is the guitar player. He mm-hmm. he uh, he was in a band who toured with Live back in the day. So the Live guys are friends with him, and, and uh, I've been Richard lucky enough Fortas. to have a couple conversations with with Richard and go to some guitar shops with him and stuff like that. And uh, he's such a cool dude. So he came to our show in St. Louis and uh, actually jammed with us on stage and everything. It was super fun. He's like, dude, I'm going to go see Robert Plant tonight. He's playing this tiny little theater, only like 12 seat, 1200 seater. You know, we have this whole like, you know, special guest area that we're all going to be hanging out in. And, uh, the, the other connection with that is that, uh, the, the bodyguard who was uh, taking care of Robert Plant used to take care of live back in the nineties. Uh, his name is uh, Tom Rock. So, really? yeah. So, so, so it was like, Oh cool. Yeah. Let's all go down there. So we all went to the, to see Robert Plant after, uh, after oh. we were done playing and, Hanging out with Richard, and uh, it, was, it was really, really cool. Cool to see him. Do you remember, like in the early '90s, when Plant, Page, and Plant were were touring again for the No Quarter tour? Yeah. One of their touring guitarists was the guy from The Cure. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, um... Yes. Yes. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny because I can't think of it right now. It's so Sorry funny because it's like such an odd. <laughs> You don't think of it as two worlds that would collide or like make sense together. That's true. But live, they were great. Like they were. It was yeah. I mean, such if you do, great... I guess if you start like thinking about guitar riffs and stuff that the that the Colt was 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 doing. I mean, they were. I mean, they were. They the were Colt pretty... was the shit. They oh were my amazing. gosh! Yeah, yeah. Such a great band. They actually. So they they the I, I saw Guns N' Roses um, when Guns N' Roses got back together. I went and saw that first anniversary tour here and the Colt was opening up that show and that was really cool. That was a cool show to see. But, Do you remember course, when... We, um, we did some shows with them. It was awesome. The, you did? Oh, live did some shows with Guns N' Roses. Um, we did we did three shows with them on the uh, on this last tour. Yeah, Greg, That's cool as hell, dude. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, it was really... Awesome. It was, uh, I don't know what to say to that. I'm, I'm stupefied yeah. by that. I mean, talk about talk about like little kid dreams coming true. Yeah, I mean, that that was unreal for me. Yeah, yeah. Zach didn't know that he was going to get a new best friend tonight. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, he does. He did. And <laughs> if, he's, if he's looking, I, he's got one. <laughs> okay, shit. so we we have a, a. Trust me, I am as and Rob knows uh, this. Yeah. I am such a a music dork yeah, that you are. By the way, at the beginning of the pandemic, I did he attempt is. to learn to play guitar. Oh, I, I do a, a wicked acoustic C. Uh, I do a C chord now. Oh yeah, that's, nice. That's oh, and I can and I can play awesome. the beginning of uh, Nothing Else Matters, and that's the end of it. Fantastic. The nothing I else can play the California like Raisins. <laughs> that's right through the grapevine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. 
<laughs> I got to get some actual lessons at some point. Uh, but that's so fucking funny. We do have a movie to talk about here. Yeah. And we've, we've hinted at this movie. And we are, we will, uh, we're going to jump into that now. But um, part of the reason why we, we, you know, we asked you what movie that you wanted to see or talk to talk about, and you picked Thing Called Love or The Thing Called Love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we kind of do like a plot thing and we kind of break it down by that. But I'm going to do this a little bit different this time because we have you on. And, you know, like definitely we'll, we'll, we want to talk about like accuracy and reasons why and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we'll just, uh, I'm going to introduce the movie real quick. Um, that is called The Thing Called Love. It was released July 16th of 1993. Uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, who uh, also did uh, Tom Petty Running Down a Dream. Oh, Omar, oh my don't. God, that's fantastic. Yeah, don't, I, we oh. need an electric shock for Omar. Oh, my God. Uh, and he did the movie Mask, uh, as well as many other things. Running Down a Dream was four hours of, bu- of bliss. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> great. It's such a great it's such movie. a great movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lost uh, control, Rob. We have lost control. <laughs> Uh, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starring Rob. R- River Phoenix, Samantha Mathis, Dermot Mulroney, Sandra Bullock, a very early Sandra Bullock role. Yeah. Uh, K- Katie Oslin, uh, Anthony Clark, Pam Tillis, Trisha Yearwood, and basically every country star of the early 90s and late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the a synops- cool little, little surprise guest of Dale Watson, Jimmy Del Gilmore, you know, like really, like, really cool, like like Austin-based uh, musicians that are... That are but Greg, who did I say... What what movie did I say that re- this movie remind, reminded me of? Yeah, you said it, and I didn't catch it at the time, which is weird. But uh, it was like a country music version of the movie Singles, uh, of course, and is pre Singles. Oh, yeah, yeah. came out. So Singles is a is a grunge music version of this. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That that took place in Seattle. This takes place in in Nashville, and Nashville is such a great, what a great town, like. Yeah, that I've I've lived that myself. Like I've been to Nashville. Nashville's amazing. You'd probably, be there, You'd probably be there now. Oh my god, I would be there now if I didn't have to be stuck in South Florida. I'd be in Nashville <laughs> right now, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah, an it's, amazing. It's, a fun town. City. it's such a great city. So the the synopsis of the movie, the quick synopsis, is a group of newcomers to the country music business seek business seek love and stardom, and. So I guess uh, Zach, start off here. What? Why did you pick this movie? Why? Why does this movie speak to you? All of that fun stuff. Well, so so I think I think my dad had rented it or something, brought it home, and we put it on, and and uh, and for some reason, you know, like I don't know, it was just a movie that kind of stuck with me my whole life. I don't know why it did. Like I don't know why it affected me so much, but I think I was just like. You know, I had I had just started to figure out music and like how everything was working as a as a as a guitar player and everything like that. And I just thought, I think I was just so fascinated by the fact that like these kids, you know, these super cool kids were so drawn to like just writing songs, you know, writing songs for stars. And like it was just such a weird, like a weird, like you know, uh, plot <laughs> that that uh that i never you know i don't know if any other movies out there are like the about songwriting that you know are like a that were made this way you know what i mean so i uh i I think just like the whole that whole aspect of just going to the going to a city and and not knowing what's going to happen and just writing songs and hoping something happens and all that kind of stuff was i mean it's kind of kind of what i kind of saw for myself i guess uh you know, at, even at, at that young, I already knew that I wanted to be a musician by then, you know, so like I knew really, really early on, um, 
that that's how I wanted to live my life. You know, it was, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty interesting how like those, like those certain things like playing guitar when I was eight years old, it was just such an impact. And then by the time I was like about 12 years old, I knew that I was going to be a musician for the rest of my life. So, yeah. wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. But, but, but cool. And that's why that, uh, I think that movie just kind of stuck with me because I was like, wow, these kids, you know, they're really out there. They're doing it, you know, it's cool. And, you know, whatever. I didn't even, I didn't think I really realized, you know, what River Phoenix was at the time he, he, anyway, either, you know, like I didn't, I didn't realize he was such a huge pop uh, icon or like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, obviously we didn't know that he was going to, he was about to pass away, you know, so like that, all that whole thing kind of, kind of, I, I think it was just a moment in time, you know, that kind of just hit yeah. me. Well, he, already, he he had already done young Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, so, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. no one thought that he was going to die. Right. Like, no one saw that coming. There was no way. Yeah. Well, he was very outspoken about certain things. He was, I believe he was a vegetarian. Yeah. And he was talking about clean, healthy living, like you, like you mentioned earlier. And, yeah. and um you know, he was the the clean cut kid from Gainesville, which is where I went to college. Actually, is that where he, yeah. is he, he was from? Gainesville? Uh, he was a, he was there was a whole thing, but for um, there was a there was a cult situation, and he they escaped from the cult and went to Gainesville. Um, it's like it was like in Argentina or something. Oh, his family, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, his family. They were pretty pretty wild, you know, Bizarre, like just yeah. nomads, you know, kind of traveling all over and kind of like joining cults and things like that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Rob, now you had a bit of a problem with this movie. Release angry. Release ang- actually don't release angry, that. Rob. <laughs> well, you you had a problem because it was good. Uh, yeah, I, Rob had a problem I as a country fan. Didn't really like it. Um, nice. I I am I am the resident country music fan in in the group. Um, cool. That's that's the type of music that I that I listened to all through high school and even since. Um, and I'm, I'm watching this thing and I'm like, none of these songs are any good. <laughs> they can't, they can't sing. I mean, they're singing my favorite genre and they can't sing. They can't, and, and I'm listening to it and I'm like, none of these songs would, I don't think any of these songs would get these people discovered. <laughs> yeah. You know, so what's interesting is all those people actually wrote those songs or wrote the lyrics to, to the songs. That's so, so I, I found this out like just recently. So like Sandra Bullock, she even wrote the lyrics to that song she sang in the, in the little really? cafe. Oh yeah. Oh. She wrote the lyrics to that song. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, River Phoenix, I think wrote uh, most of the songs he sang in the movie. Um, Cause he was obviously a musician in a band and all that kind of stuff. So, so he was doing that already. So um, and... yeah, which is really, and, and even Dylan McDermott, he wrote that song that, that he pitched to Trisha Yearwood. No shit. So, Oh yeah, so bizarre. Oh, that's so funny. And, and I and I and I get that, and that's cool, and that's neat, and everything. But I mean, imagine if if they're making a movie about a genre that you absolutely love, and they're having these people write these songs that you're like, this is this isn't any good, and they're and they're putting it out on this movie that like you know these are the people who are breaking into the industry and they're writing these songs for these big stars, and you know. They're yeah. trying to get discovered, and it's like, yeah, they're they're not good. They're not going to get discovered. It's not. Yeah, well, I think I think that was part part of it, you know. Like so, like basically, the thing is, I mean, I guess obviously, you're you're even talking about the songs that are supposedly did get discovered. Those weren't that good either. But 
though i think the whole point of like the whole cafe and like the whole struggle is like you know like all these songwriters write so many crappy songs before they Mm -hmm. write like one good song or whatever you know and i think that's what i also found interesting was that the the there was so much truth to the movie in the fact that it was like it's like oh dude this is like really how it is you know you're like you're, you're out there struggling and you're writing songs and you know, you think it's great, but this other, you know, the person that needs to think it's great thinks it's horrible and, right. you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, yeah, but, but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. There was a lot of crappy songs in that movie. Yeah. And so you, well, you guys have opened up a bunch of, oh wait, Rob, did you, was someone going to say well, No, 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 it was, it was, my, my problem wasn't so much that the songs were crappy because I get that that's what they were going for. It was the songs that they passed off as being good were still crappy. Right. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's not, yeah. what? And I feel like country has like like there's like an unfair bias against country, yeah. um, in that you know people look but, down on it as being you know a lesser genre or not good music or crappy music or. So, well, you you mentioned while talking about this stuff the Bluebird Cafe, and it's that's just one of those places that that's not just a movie thing, it's like a real life thing. Yeah. So I did a. Um, just a little bit of quick research on this. The the bands or musicians that either had like their big breakout or were found there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Taylor Swift was discovered there when she was 14 years old at the Bluebird. Really? Uh, yeah. Garth Brooks, Keith Urban, Kathy Matea, Trisha Yearwood, Kim Ritchie, Dirk Bentley, Faith Hill, and Vince Gill um, all saw their careers, I guess, grow as a result of these open mic nights that they show in in this movie. Yeah. Um, and sadly, the woman that, that was running them, uh, was uh, the actress was KT Oslin. She actually just passed away from COVID uh, not too oh. long ago, which I like, always have to be the downer. Sorry. That's why, yeah. Yeah, like uh, it, was, it was a few months ago, but um, so her, the actress's name was KT Oslin. I forget the character's name, but oh, Lucy. She was Lucy. Lucy. I thought she was Mama or something. Yeah. So either way, the, the uh, characters that we follow throughout this movie um, – there's uh, the kind of bright-eyed New Yorker that decided to be a country star. Um, Miranda Presley, who's played by Samantha Mathis, which we talked about. Um, the dark and brooding James Wright, who's played by River Phoenix, who, from a lot of reviews of this movie, they said that you could tell that he w- that he was having problems. And I thought he was just kind of leaning into a character. Yeah, I would say that that's what he was doing as well. But yeah. he really, but... like, owned it. Yeah. Oh, man. I think so. I think he did a great job that character and you know they were dating at the time so river phoenix and uh samantha, samantha was yeah. Samantha yeah. Mass. yeah so they were dating at the time and all the way after the movie i think they were dating when he died but uh yeah she was there when he died yeah oh shit right. um yeah but I've, so I've that's that. what, we'll get to that so like the uh the chemistry you know between the two of them it's real you know and it like i i sense that watching the movie even as a young kid i was just like wow this is really really like I mean, there's some there's some depth to this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dermot Mulroney is the kind of open-hearted sweet. He's the romantic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like yeah, um, he, he plays is. Kyle yeah. Davidson, and then the the spunky, fun-loving uh, Linda Lou Linden, who's played by a young Sandra Bullock, and <laughs> I don't know if they said otherwise, but I kind of got the the feeling that she was like from the from the wealthy household. Yeah. Based based purely on her like apartment, which was like painted with trees on the wall so here's stuff the like that. they also but, had like the pageant dresses and shit yeah so. yes my problem with this movie like and I teased it inside A is it was good and it's supposed to <laughs> suck like <laughs> like but it was a great movie like it was a really good watchable movie 
it's funny that it, it, it I mean, I obviously I like the movie and it impacted me in a way to where like I, I you know, I, I enjoyed watching even just a couple of weeks ago when I, when I put it back on, I, I enjoyed it again then. And, uh, you know, but it, like, like I was saying, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy as far as like overall, as far as what, how well it did. And I, I mean, and it sounds like you guys had never heard of this movie before. So I don't think it, it did very well at all. What, I mean, what's weird is I mentioned it and my wife was like, I don't know of that movie. And it, she loves, she loves romance movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'll be like, hey, do you want to watch Star Wars? She's like, only if we can watch the parts where, like, Han and Leia kiss. I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, no. So, like, I asked her about this, and she's like, she's like, that sounds familiar. She's like, wait, is that the star with the, the, or is that the movie with, like, the country people? And there's, like, (laughs) two guys and two girls. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, I love that movie. I'm like, how did you see that? Exactly. (laughs) Because your wife is cool as shit. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've known you for twelve years, and I've never like we, you know, we've been married for twelve years. I've never seen you watch that movie. She's like, "Oh, yeah. I caught it on HBO one night. It was great." Okay, yeah, that's fun. So she was excited that you picked that, by the way. Oh, cool. That movie, like I remember the Samantha Mathis cover with her with a skirt on or whatever, but I mm-hmm. don't think I've ever seen it. And now that I'm watching it, it's like I totally get it because I've been to 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 Nashville. I've I get the music scene thing, and yeah. I could watch this movie all the time. Like it's so good. Yeah, and there was, and I mean, obviously, all the stars coming, all, all the all the wannabe stars coming there, and all standing in line and trying to, you know, like that. All that stuff is real. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. like it's, it, uh, all that stuff really happened. You know, and really still does happen. I think I think there was something crazy. Like I mean, several hundred musicians moving to nashville every day at one point you know so it it's uh it's 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 pretty it it was interesting to see it was interesting to go back and watch it now you know after everything that i've been through and music and everything like that it, it definitely had a different uh perspective of it than i did when i watched it you know years ago but yeah there's that uh documentary series on right now that's uh dave Grohl did it with his mom mm. and it was like about mothers and and their children that went into music and stuff I don't know if you've cool. seen it. It's very I good. I haven't seen that. No, that it's really, really good. good and they cover um, uh, good movies. They cover Imagine Dragons, um, and oh, yeah. Miranda Lambert is one of them. Oh, cool! And it's weird because I watched that episode the day before I watched, or the earlier in the day that I watched mm. this movie. And one, the Miranda thing, of course, blew my mind. But like one of the parts of the things is Miranda Lambert being like, you're talking about her parents and being like, I want to be, I want to do music, and being like, well, what are the odds of this actually happening? Right. And then her parents basically be like, okay, this is you, this is a business now. And you're going to wake up and you're going to call clubs and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And yeah. treating it like that was really impressive. It actually made me like Miranda Lambert a lot more. I mean, yeah. I didn't Yeah, she's like her cool. I, I, one of the, one of a good buddy of mine, Alex Whedon, plays guitar for her. And uh, okay. it's, yeah, yeah, super, super cool. She's, she's a cool, cool artist. Yeah. Her parents are like private investigators, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Just, I it's guess helpful if you're you going to have, have yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you have people that are more business oriented mindsets um, that that are trying to help in the music world because obviously creatives and business mindsets is like it's totally different worlds. But you know, when you bring that element into it, you can you can really conquer. You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, you said your family was musical. Were they in the music industry? Uh, my family, not well. No, not growing up. So like I. 
I do have somebody, um, my, um, obviously my brother was a musician. My parents weren't musical really. Um, besides the fact that they just love music and, but I had, uh, uh, uncles that played and, um, and my, my cousin, a cousin of mine, Rachel Loy, she, she actually spent, um, a lot of her time in Nashville as a, as a studio musician and producer and songwriter. She's back in Austin now, but, uh, she, she goes back and forth between the two cities still quite a bit. Cause she, she does a lot of work in Nashville still. Nice. So. Studio musicians are so cool. Right? Yeah. I mean, she's, she's played on so many incredible records, you know? Really, really cool. And she tours. She she toured with uh with Hank Williams Jr. for a long time as well. But that was her last big touring thing she was doing before she uh, was had kids. You know, so yeah. gotcha. So so in this movie, we basically follow around these musicians, and there's kind of like a love triangle that forms, and then there's they, you know, they're writing songs and all that. And the next kind of big sequence that I that stood out to me, of course, was the. Uh, Miranda falling in love with, and I never remember her names, sorry, uh, James, who's uh, River Phoenix's character. Mm-hmm. And they do like this whole Graceland, rainy, yeah. f- failed wedding kind of thing, and then it turns into an actual wedding. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of a sweet uh, sweet sequence, it kind of pulls you away from the music a little bit, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, it's a, and then that, that's what I'm talking about, the dynamic between the two of them, you know, because they were, they really were in love, and you know, so, so it's like, or they were falling in love and I think they met on that movie, but anyway, they, you know, that whole thing, it's like, they met, uh, they, real quick. They met, she bummed a cigarette off of him, uh, when she was 17 years old or he bummed a cigarette off her when she was 17 years old. Oh, wow. Oh, and, and she was like, I'm going to meet that guy. I'm going to date that guy someday. And all oh, cool. of her friends kind of made fun of her. And then yeah. four wow. years later they did. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there's so much, so much authenticity to their relationship. You know what I mean? And, and it's on screen. It's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool mm-hmm. to see. And it's, you know, there's just, it's, there's a lot of failure, which is you oh, know, yeah. accurate. It's a lot of, a yeah. lot of trying. Oh my gosh. So much. Yeah. So, so much, so much, uh, you know, uh, so many doors being closed and so, so much failure and so much heartache and, and, you know, like the whole, the whole scene of like, uh, Jack locking himself in his room for three days to write a song and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, that type of stuff does happen. You know, it's of course like it's like the funny thing for me is that whole sequence is that she turns into like the whiny kind of wife or whatever, which oh in the kitchen. I don't yeah, I don't think in real life that really would have went down that way, you know, because she was an artist and a musician on herself and you know, uh me dating an artist and a musician, they usually like if you go away and you start working on yourself, they're usually pretty cool. You're like usually like, Okay, I'm now I can finally work on my stuff, you know, kind uh-huh. of thing. So yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But, well, uh, the the biggest thing that I learned from this movie was that in Nashville, if you wreck your car, all you have to do is tell them that your song is on the radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everybody is okay with it. Oh, wow, that's your song? Yeah. yeah. I was, and yeah, and I'm watching that, and I looked at Greg, and I'm like, there is no way in hell... That that, that scene goes mad. down like that. Rob, <laughs> Rob. That guy's mad it's not when he comes up. Nashville. It's everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to try yeah. that next time. Yeah. Hey. No, officer. I know I'm getting a I wrote that song. Ticket, but I once heard a Zeppelin song. <laughs> what does that mean? I wrote that song. You wrote Enter Sandman? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> but I heard yes. it in 91. Does that help? 
the uh oh man you you broke my train of thought and <laughs> it's ne- it's never coming back now okay. that's funny you're welcome oh no so like i guess the the question is like have you done any of those like type of open mic things myself you have done have you done some of those? Yeah, yeah yeah well so i mean that's how i started playing so i when i started playing live when i was you know 12 or whatever it was i think it was 12 yeah um i uh that's how we i mean we didn't obviously my brother and i didn't know how to get gigs or whatever so it's just like oh open mic night come down and play some songs so that's what we did that's how we started playing in clubs you know so my my dad would drive us down to these little clubs and we go we just go pop up on stage and and play everything we got you know nice yeah the uh because like i when reading so much, you hear a lot about those these people that are they run open mic nights, and it's, okay. I also read a lot about comedians and stuff. And you hear about these people, and it's like they have a very strict thing, like no, 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 no. And like in my mind, there's a part of me that's like, some of these people I know were polished, both musicians and whatever. Are, are these people just saying no so that they can have kind of a, uh, you know, someone to open up on Wednesdays for a couple months before <laughs> before they yeah. get big, kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's, I mean, and, you know, honestly, the open mic nights in Nashville are a completely different thing than the rest of the world. Like, they're actually, like, most of the time are hosted by some incredible musician and, you know, like, all these freaking mind-blowing songwriters and mind-blowing musicians come up and play. Uh, speaking of my cousin, again, when she was there, I, I went and hung out with her for a couple of days. Uh, I was doing an audition for some artist, and uh, she took me around to some studios and to some open mic nights, and it was just like, I mean, oh, yeah, I'll go to a little open mic night, but it's like amazing song after amazing song. Just like incredible, you know, incredible singers, incredible musicians, just, you know, really unbelievable. The The quality, the quality is just at another level there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So the the uh, end, we'll just, we'll, we'll close out the movie here. I'll talk a little bit about River Phoenix, I think. And then we will... Uh close out the episode with our top five question here uh the end of the movie of course uh i guess james kind of gets found right Mm -hmm. and uh he he leaves miranda miranda behind to make a uh an album Mm -hmm. and this is after they kind of had a weird wedding with a little plastic ring and of course they have to do the dramatic thing where he realizes he wants to be with her and comes back to the bluebird cafe and she has left town yes so it's the the typical like airplane on the it doesn't happen with that with an airplane but you know that kind of thing. So I've, I guess the, the really the I guess love overtakes the the art to some extent, but I guess the the love was uh, helping him with his art. Yes. So. Well, she came back. She came back to Nashville to finish her song because she was like, yeah. so she's like, oh, you came back, and it's like, yeah, I came back to play my song. I didn't come back for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And that is true. That is true. A female artist would definitely do that, for sure. <laughs> and uh, then uh, I guess they end up with uh, with who? So uh, Linda Lou leaves to go to New York. Mm-hmm. So Sandra Bullock's character goes to New York. She hops in, and then there's something weird with the cars where it's like, "Where did you park again?" Kind of thing. But like, <laughs> there's cars all over the place. I don't know. It was weird. It was kind yeah. of a weird framing. And then they all end up in one car driving off. So that is how the movie ends. Um, I did enjoy it. I felt that it, I felt that it needed editing, like <laughs> both story wise, music wise, and just scene wise. Scene wise, but 
I felt the heart, and I, I did enjoy it because I that's what I like. Um, obviously, Zach liked it. Yeah. Uh, Omar said he liked it, and Rob, well, we already did all that. So, uh, the reason why it was not a huge hit because, as you said earlier, um, it had a budget of fourteen million, a box office of one million. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a one out of four and said, uh, perhaps no one could have saved River Phoenix or Phoenix, but who is not lucky enough to have find a higher bottom than death. But this performance in his movie should have been seen by someone as a cry for help. It's like, wow, wow. that's kind of harsh. Damn. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but he's not known for being the fair, like easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, River Phoenix was so cool. You know, I was just like, ah, oh, he's just the coolest, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to probably watch it again with under, like, thinking about that phrase to see if I actually see it. Because, I, like, I, there's a couple of spots where I saw a little bit, but I was like, oh. Like, to be honest, I thought that one of the, like, I, having not seen it, I thought a character was going to die. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, But, and that was because he was so dark, but it wasn't a drug movie. No. No. It wasn't. So it wasn't that kind of movie, but. um, So, but basically, when they, the first scene that they filmed. Uh, River Phoenix was unable to do anything. He was unable to speak, and he was slurring his words, and he was on... Uh, he said that he took some pills and some alcohol, and it was a mistake, so the director kind of gave him a pass. And they, the director did say that from that point on, it was he was very professional. Uh, after they finished filming this movie, and it was in post-production, I guess he was filming uh, Dark Blood was mm-hmm. the next movie, yep. which eventually actually came out. Dark yeah, Blood actually, release. I was going to bring that up because this actually was not his last movie. This was his last movie that was released before he died. Correct. Dark Blood was actually in production, was about 80% completed when he passed away. The director actually took all of the footage and edited it and worked on it himself for like a number of years and finally took it to a film festival in 2012, which was when it was actually released. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a John Candy situation with Wagons East. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, so they did that, um, and when he was filming Dark Blood, uh, I think her name is Judy Davis, was a more well-known actress and was completely awful to him. And it really pushed him deeper into drug addiction, because he had, every time he did any scene with her, she would, like, berate him. Mm-hmm. And then she, he had a love scene with her, and he was like, I don't, I can't stand to be near this woman. And he shot that scene that night. That he passed away, so this was um, uh, October 30th. This is crazy. He shot the scene that night, and it was in a room with a bunch of... I guess they, I don't know what that movie's about, but it had, there was a, a scene with a bunch of candles and, like, whatever. So they killed the lights in the the, the soundstage, and he, he was the last one there, and he was kind of just thinking, and he was just kind of staring at the candles, and then walked towards the camera, and the cameraman realized the camera was still on with him, like, silhouetted, and then, like, clicked it off, and he said that was, like, the last footage that he ever got of him. Wow. Um, there's a little documentary on YouTube I found about this. If you you can look up uh, uh, the last 24 hours, is is or uh, River Phoenix the last 24 hours if you're interested in seeing that footage and stuff. Uh, go out. He goes out with Samantha Mathis, uh, Leaf, who is now Joaquin Phoenix, and Rain, who is his sister. And he said they're going out. They go to the the Viper Room, and. He said, oh, there's some people here who want me to play with them tonight. It was uh, Gibby Haynes, uh, Flea. Back Gibby Haynes Flea. from... And, uh, didn't he end up with uh, Guns yeah. N' Roses? 
No, but uh, butthole servers. But yes, Kim, yes, yeah, Kim yes. Haynes is a yes, yeah, singer servers, from uh, yes. butthole servers. Yeah, Gilby yes. Clark is who you think of. Yeah, you thank you. So he's supposed to hop up on stage with them and, and Johnny Depp, I assume. And uh, Samantha Mathis is like, "This is weird." She lost track of him that night. Um, have you have you been to the Viper Room? I've Zach? played the Viper Room a few, few okay. times. Yeah, I had a very weird experience at the Viper Room, which we're running long, so I won't do it. But I, I've I've been in the weird secret room. Yeah. Um, somehow, uh, it, actually, well, okay, it it was I was with my uh, girlfriend at the time, and we just decided to be totally Hollywood. And there was someone there that thought they could like impress her, so they were like dragging us all over the place. Oh yeah. Uh, and they dragged us into that room. Um, it was kind of a big deal because it was the night that um, Pirates of the Caribbean came out, when like became a huge hit. So oh. everyone was like freaking out. Oh yeah. But um, anyway, I think they went in that room. River Phoenix took a whole bunch of drugs, walked yeah. down that hallway where the cashier is onto that side road, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, went into, uh, you know, uh, convulsions and passed away. He was 23 years old. The people that actually tried to help him, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, Michael Stipe, uh, Dermot Mulrooney from the, the thing, they all tried to help him before this all happened. They knew there was a problem. Um, but And he had been up for days before <laughs> binging with John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. From the Chili Peppers, yeah. Um, and yeah, and he, and Leo DiCaprio was actually kind of became the next River Phoenix, and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I've heard that people said that Leo DiCaprio is not a big drug guy yeah. because of River Phoenix. So very sad. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, sad. Very, very, very uh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's crazy to, to like watching that movie. You know, like thinking like, wow, this kid's like he's only like twenty two, twenty three when he's filming this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. he just seems so ancient, you know. And he's so yeah. young compared. Like, I mean, yeah, he seems so gosh. worldly. Yeah, I mean, 23 years old is like that's a, a baby. baby. He's a baby. That's you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So. And that takes us out of the movie. So I'm going to ask. I'm, I think you got my email that was uh, about the uh, our top five list for yeah. you, Zach. So your top five list question is a little bit different than ours. All right. Um, so I will ask it right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, the top five movies. So movies, music movies or movies in general, that you found to be the most realistic, having lived a pretty decent life in the music industry. Interesting. Uh, and you can do it in any order you want, because... Most realistic. Gosh, yes. that is hard. Um, can they be documentaries? Because that's very realistic. Or does it have to be like an acting... Documentaries makes it either easier or harder, because all documentaries, in in hopes, you would, you would want them to be uh, super realistic, but... Yeah. If if you want, yeah, it could be. Man, you're doing us a favor, so you could do whatever you want. To be honest, I would say, shoot, do I have to do? I have to do them in order. Or can I just name five? You can name five. Omar is yet to figure out. Five. Omar yeah. is yet to figure out the top five thing. Okay, so the doors, <laughs> the doors movie. Okay. Um, let's say running down a dream. Uh, okay. Let's say, uh, well, since we're talking about the thing called love, I'll put that in there. Um, I'll put Rockstar in there, but that's going to be the least authentic movie. That's a good one, though. It's good too. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that too. <laughs> uh, there is nothing real about that at all. And Spinal Tap, and, and that's also not authentic at all. But there are some elements in there that are slightly true. You know, like where's the stage? I mean, which way to the stage? That actually does happen all the time. I feel like Spinal Tap is more authentic than Rockstar. 
it is more authentic than Rockstar. Yes, definitely. Like there was there was parts of Rockstar that I felt tried like tried to be edgy. Yeah. For the sake of being edgy, and it just seemed overdone. And okay. there's other parts that seem way cleaner than it would have been. <laughs> like, and the whole dialysis thing was strange. Yeah. But okay, excellent. Thank you so much. Of course. So, we are also going to do top five lists, but. Um, I don't want to keep any longer than we have because we, we, I know you've got a family to tend to. Well, thanks so, so much. So um, before we do that, so first of all, thank you so much for coming. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. How oh, can man. people like follow you and stuff? And I will, I will also put this on our website and on our socials and all that stuff to get you there. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, perfect. Yeah, I mean, Zach Loy, Z-A-K-L-O-Y. I mean, I'm on, on Instagram or Facebook or you know, I have a website, zachloy.com, so. Cool. Yeah, Those I highly suggest yeah. you guys out there, uh, if nothing else, check out the um, the Instagram, uh, because there's just little clips of music and stuff, and they're just, I don't know, positive, fun, happy little things. Like, I, I don't know, they're just, they're good. I was, I've been listening to them Thanks. on and off, so. Whenever they pop up, I listen to them, so. Yeah. Um, check that out, and again, thank you very much, and, uh. We will uh, hopefully talk soon at some point. Yeah, no, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. So. That was Zach. And again, thank you. Thank you very much, Zach. That was awesome. I love hearing these these rock stories and the behind-the-scenes stuff. But we also have our little thing here where we talk. We do our top five list. And our top five list this week, uh, We because this is, of course, as we said, River Phoenix's last performance, the last movie, technically – uh, they released one much later, but for for the longest time, this was considered his last movie. Uh, we want to know the top five final performances of celebrities that have passed on. Well, I guess I'll go first. Everyone's going to know my number one. I think I know what your number one is. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with number five. Uh, John Ritter's final performance was in Bad Santa. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Uh, Gregory Peck. He's my number four. He was, uh, of right. course, well-known for uh, 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 Kill a Mockingbird, to but he actually then was in Cape Fear he and was. Then, right before he passed away. So we're going to go with that. Uh, number three is a twofer. Mm-hmm. So I can do that. Uh, I'm guessing you know which one this is. I think I do because it's on my list, and I think it might be at the same spot. Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable. Yep, both were in the Misfits as their last movie, which is crazy. Yeah, two of the biggest names of that era. And that was the only movie that Marilyn Monroe won a Golden Globe for, I believe. Did not know that. Uh, number two, Brand. Uh, sorry, Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Enter the Dragon. And uh, you know that's considered one of the most successful martial arts films of all time, and it's in the Library of Con- Congress. So. Kind of interesting. But my number one, he died while making the movie, literally while making the movie. His son. Yep. Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee. I was going to kind of put them together, but I thought that'd be cheating because the other ones I thought of, I wanted to say Alex Trebek because, you know, his last Jeopardy episode was sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And also uh, another one. Well, I'm going to see if you guys say this one because I I feel like there's going to be quite a few uh, uh, duplicates. So, Who is next? Omar's muted. Oh well, then I'll go next. <laughs> we'll save Omar for last. Do we have? Did we have a voicemail? We do have voicemail. Well, you go next. I will cue yep. up that voicemail. 
at number five, I've I've actually got a couple of classic actors on my uh, on my list. At number five, I've got Humphrey Bogart for The Harder They Fall. Ooh. At number, I lied. Uh, at number four, I've got Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable in The Misfits. Okay. Gotcha. At number three. I've got a classic movie that gets referred to quite a lot, but I've got Spencer Tracy in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh. I had a hard time picking ones I hadn't seen, but I'm sure they are good. Well, I mean, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is a classic. Yeah. It, it's referred to in in lots and lots of, of movies and um, movie history and stuff. At number two, I've got Brandon Lee for The Crow. I just reversed Greg's number one and number two. Ah. And my number one is Bruce Lee for Enter the Dragon. Well, we do have a voicemail. This is Alec. Um, top five, I guess, final film performances for actors or actresses who've died. Uh, this is a tough one. I actually, as a bonus, I know we said we couldn't put Heath Ledger, but I would say that his performance in The Dark Knight still would somewhat count on the basis that he never actually completed his work for the other movie that came after this, the Dr. Parnassus. Uh, that's why they casted three actors to to play his role in the movie. So I know he was in the movie, but technically, I, I, so technically you're correct, but man, it sucks that it, it can't uh, be number one because it probably should be. Um, honorable mention, I'll give Paul Walker from, I, I think it was Furious 7, Obviously, the ending to that movie was pretty emotional, and I thought that was a pretty good send-off for, for somebody who passed away. All right, now we get to the top five. Uh, number five, I'm going to put Bruce Lee, Game of Death. I know that seems low, but I don't love that movie. I just love Bruce Lee. Uh, number four, we're going to kind of go with the um, Peter Finch from Network. I'm uh, mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. It's just Pretty iconic way to go out there. All right, number three, I want to do um, John Cazale for The Deer Hunter. I'm not sure how many people know who he is, but he was an amazing stage actor who only did five movies total in the 70s. The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter, The Deer Hunter being his final performance. He was an amazing actor, should have at least been nominated once for an Oscar, somehow didn't. But it was a hell of a run, and he died of cancer, unfortunately. Uh, number two, Brandon Lee for The Crow. If you're of a certain age, I'm turning 41 soon. Um, so I was maybe 13 or 14 when The Crow came into my life. That was obviously a big deal. He was Bruce Lee's son. He died tragically, and that movie is that movie's still amazing. I know a lot of you guys on, on the podcast like it as well. And then number one would be Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oh, I think you know. Wow. I think I mentioned this performance before last year, but it's an amazing performance. It's a really amazing final performance, especially there's one scene where you kind of feel like he's almost acting and not acting, if that makes sense, because of what was going on in his own life. So uh, that's my list. Hope you like it. Thanks. Bye. Man, I, f- I flubbed How that How did I miss that one? That was a fantastic performance, and I know the scene he's talking about. Uh, we've also got one last person here, and that is Omar. Hello, Omar. Hi. Okay, Omar, here we go. Your top five. Okay, here's the three of my top five. 
because the, it, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Lord of the Rings movies. Yes. No, no. <laughs> so that's next week. I'm gonna say John Candy. Okay, excellent. Okay, I'm gonna go Heath Ledger, and I, I know he did the Joker, but I'm talking. Obviously, his last thing was Imaginarium of, of uh, um, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Parnassus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, really, I know I'm supposed to do five, but like, my main one, and I, I have to jump to this is uh, Brandon Lee and the Crow, because I, I realized there was like Batman had already happened, and uh, you know Jack Nicholson was was the Joker and whatever, but like I feel like Brandon Lee as the Crow was, it was like a tipping point for those movies to me. Like everything up to that was leading to to Brandon Lee as the crow, and then everything after that was like they were trying to combine Batman, but there was always that like that 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 crow aspect of it, and yes. I don't think it ever really left our like cinema mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. I love that movie, so... I know so you I, do, and, and so do I. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. Nice. Okay, let's let's get out of here. We have talked to an awesome musician. Thanks for the third time. We've talked about a brand new movie for us. And uh, I think that's about it. So send him out of here, Rob. Well, guys, as always, you can reach us on... Twitter or Instagram at give me five pod. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the give me five podcast. You can email us directly. Give me five podcast at gmail.com. You can also go right to our website. Give me five podcast.com where you can also find a link to our store. Give me five podcast.threadless.com where you can buy all of your sweet. Give me five podcast merchandise. So guys, as always, we want you to give us five. So it's that we-